You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new Toronto Centre podcast. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Jean Lorrain, and I am the Securities Advisory Board Chair of the Toronto Centre. We have with us today Mr. Jean-Paul Servet, who is the Chairman of the Belgium Financial Services Authority, which acronym is FSMA. It's better known as, as that. He is also Vice Chair of the International Organization of Securities Commission, or IOSCO, Chairman of the IFRS Monitoring Board, Co-Chair of the Monitoring Group, and Chairman of the European Regional Committee. He is also a board member of several international supervisory bodies for the financial sector, such as ESMA on the security side in Europe, and ESRB. He teaches at ULB, Université Libre de Bruxelles, and he is author of numerous contributions, in particular in areas uh, of relevance to FSMA. Dear Jean-Paul, thank you for accepting our invitation to speak about the securities regulators' situation in the current pandemic, about IOSCO's new work plan, and about important issues that the organization will be concentrating on in the coming months. So welcome again. Thank you. And first of all, uh, allow me to thank you, Jean, and the Toronto Center for your kind of invitation. It's really a pleasure for me to be able to, to discuss with you uh, uh, members all around the world. So let's let's hit it on. Broad question, but I'm sure that you, uh, you will enjoy responding to that. The financial markets have been really greatly impacted by the pandemic, forcing regulators to adapt very substantially and rapidly to the situation remote supervision, remote meetings, uh, doing supervision from home is is a new trend uh, around the world. That brings a lot of questions. The pandemic is almost at the end or hopefully at the end because of uh, vaccination. What do you see the regulator's position right now? Is it is it in a good position? How will regulator after the pandemic how will they react? How will they be achieving their mandate? And do you see any big changes in the ways regulators will be set up and, and doing their job? Personally, as human beings, but also in, in my capacity as a chair of uh, a national supervisory body, but also as vice chair of our organization, I see three main aspects after this very incredible experience after one year uh, with pandemic. And the three key messages can be presented as follow, I would say. First of all, lessons to be learned, because there are also lessons to be learned from us, even if we are not speaking as such about a financial crisis, like with the subprime in 2008, 2009, and other financial crises. This was not a financial 
crisis at the starting point, but of course there are also collateral damages and opportunities also for our job as supervisor. Second aspect, I would say, as vice chair of a worldwide organization, I would say the, the world is a village. That's what I think after one year. And last but not least, you know the famous movies uh, from the 80s, Back to the Future. I would say no Back to the Future. So the first lesson uh, for me was a very impressive one as CEO of a national competent authority. I remember quite well the starting point of uh, the change in organization. It was just after a board meeting in Madrid because the headquarters of IOSCO are, you know, located in Spain. I realized that there was, I would say, uh, a treat for not only for some jurisdiction far from Belgium, but for everybody. And then when I took back the plane to Belgium, I decided very quickly to ask to my IT department to shift to a full-time teleworking system. Of course, like many other supervisors, we already offered, I would say, before, I would say, the crisis, the opportunity to uh, do some, uh, to some extent, some uh, teleworking, but it was quite limited. And frankly speaking, uh, I have to confess that I was not a supporter of uh, telework. I had some difficulties to accept. I can tell you in one weekend, John, we were able to shift to a fully-fledged teleworking system without any problem of discontinuity. That was something for me which was very amazing for me. It means also for all my colleagues, my staff members, to have a very decentralized system, but at the same time with much more accountability. Because teleworking means, of course, decentralization, but you must be very accountable because if you are not working very well, what will be the victim? It will be your colleague, your friend, I would say, also working at home and uh, required to, to do the job in your place. And after one year, frankly speaking, um, with this uh, experience of generalized teleworking, I think that we may consider that It's in fact an opportunity to simplify a number of processes by digitalizing them and adapting working methods. For instance, good, not surprised, but I think that the speed and our capacity was very impressive. Our capacity to perform inspection no more on the field, but on a remote uh, basis. So we are specialized in rule of conduct, for instance, uh, so the, the so-called MIFID rules at the open level. So it means that by definition, I would say what we need, it's uh, documentation, uh, quality uh, assessment of the, the quality of the internal control system uh, for a bank in order to ensure at arm's length dialogue between a prospect, uh, John and Mary in the street, possible retail client, and their bankers of their life insurer. Well, I can tell you, after one year, I think that I may consider that we are able to do. We didn't experience any uh, pushback any problem. The only one problem was from time to time the capacity of some banks to send their files through the protection IT system in order to protect themselves from cyber security attacks or cyber attacks. But at the end of the day, frankly speaking, the speed is the same. We were able to deliver the same number of inspections on a yearly basis. And besides, I would say, even more positive, our capacity to manage data is very impressive. So we decided some years ago 
to uh, high to, to engage many people with uh, very highly skilled people with PhD in economics, in law, in IT, mathematics, in order to accelerate or shift to a data mining uh, system. Well, it works. I can tell you we were able to check if we were facing in Belgium a GameStop system, which is not the case. We were able to perform um, many challenging dialogue with UCIT's uh, fund manager in order to test the capacity to ensure sufficient liquidity in order to avoid suspension of compartment of asset, so no accident in Belgium, good news, but it's also due to a capacity to challenge on a day-to-day basis the liquidity management tool. Uh, There were some expectations, questions maybe from a more negative point of view, from uh, the point of view of FSB members, central bank potential about capacity to deliver and to extract granular information. Though we know our market, we know that by definition as market and product supervisor, we are supervising a very fragmented market. Even at national level, we can have thousands, uh, hundreds of asset managers, which is, I think, a more fragmented market than being, for instance, a, a prudential a supervisor for banks of insurance undertaking. Well, I can tell you after one year, we have been able to deliver on time. And you see that in the press statement delivered in the meantime by the FSB, they recognize that IOSCO is the place to be for market infrastructure, CCP, uh, asset management. So th- th- there is a kind of, uh, I would say, endorsement by the FSB of the capacity of IOSCO to deliver on time. Th- there was also, I would say, a, a very intense reflection I would say during the crisis, uh, for instance, the, the, the fact that we decide to launch what we call FSAC, the Financial Stability Engagement co-chaired by the French IMF and the US CFTC, it was also a, a good example of how to be agile in, in crisis situation. And then now the, the challenge will be to, to shift to a more permanent, I would say, without crisis exercise. And so also the the way we organize our work, let us be clear, is also many, many boards, very frequently short boards about thematics, I would say. This is something uh, new. And that's my second point of my experience. The, the world is a village. Frankly speaking, my capacity for outreach is totally different. When I had the pleasure to give a conference to be in a panel in Europe, it means one day to go to Frankfurt and to go back to London, to Paris. And even more, of course, when I have the pleasure to, to be uh, in the Americas, of in Asia, of in Africa, of in the Middle East and so on. No, I think my new world, it means less travels and more virtual meeting. So it will be a serious reflection, but also for us to see, okay, do we need to travel again for all kinds of meetings we can have? Of course, we need to have a network because to be uh, involved in enforcement, it needs a capacity to have a network to understand each other. That's important. But from time to time, and it's the case in the business for many people also working in the private sector, there are some more formal meetings. Do we need that? No. Frankly speaking, we have to think about it. And last comment, if I may, Jean, I would say no back to the future. So my late motive, uh, my management style for my, for my people in Belgium is say, okay, when we will go back to our uh, premises, 
We won't go to the whole world. Let us be clear. It means, for instance, in a small institution like the FSMA in Belgium, it means two days at home and three days, I would say, in our building. And it means also that all the different departments will have the same lifestyle because we know what it means. First of all, it means to be able to dialogue with your close colleagues and friends and then to see how we can shift to this new world. And the objective is not to go back to the world before, but to take the, the opportunity. So it means, in other words, maybe a marketing style, I would say, transforming the limitation caused by the crisis into opportunities. And in fact, because just I think that the efficiency gains we are making by communicating more efficiently are reducing paper and less travel should not be lost. That also uh, important. But last but not least, it means also as a, a financial supervisor, how to be able to catch new, I would say, fraud. No? We had to be much more active through campaigns against online uh, investment fraud via Facebook and Google. That's also our new world. Opportunities, challenges, risk and danger. So it's a, a comprehensive, I would say, mission statement. So I understand from your answer that you won't be coming back to the old ways of trying to regulate or supervise market and that you've experienced good outcomes from remote supervision, in fact, uh, using data mining and artificial intelligence, I imagine, is part of your remit. Do you see the same thing happening elsewhere? Because Belgium, even though you consider yourself to be a small jurisdiction, you're a rich jurisdiction compared to many others. Do you see the same happening elsewhere? And just to qualify my question here a bit, I've heard some comments from colleagues from poorer jurisdictions saying, that they had issues with being able to rely on the quality of data that they were getting from market participants. So I'd like to hear you a bit about that. No, thanks for this uh, question, which is a very important uh, question, John. I wouldn't be realistic or I would be too optimistic if I would say that the speed is the same in all jurisdictions. That is not the truth, as we know. But, but at the same time, frankly speaking, I have much more capacity to have contact with many colleagues from emerging countries than before. Many jurisdictions, not everybody, and of course it's uh, um, something which is very different from one continent to another one, of course, but many jurisdictions, many supervisors had, I would say, a room dedicated to video conference. It was the case in Belgium. So I had this room for 10 years, but I can tell you, no more than once a year, I had the pleasure to uh, use this video conference. No, it's every minute in, in my life. And it's also due to that, that I have the possibility to have many more contacts with people from all jurisdictions than before. It was much more easy to understand. I think that quite stupid, the comment I will take you, but one of the challenges for many people in some conference call was to understand who was taking the floor because you know what it means, a conference call with uh, phones. No, I, I wouldn't say that you have the capacity to see, to understand the body language of all people in the virtual room, but it's not far from that, I would say. And then I see that I have many more meetings abroad, let us be clear. I am now speaking with you 
from, I would say, a dedicated room uh, to that. So my universe is now a global universe. And that's the reason why I think that the famous expression, the world is a village, it's now the case. So it means that we are potentially much more international before, even if the FSMA is a good example of a supervisor involved on a very dynamic basis in all organizations that we know, IOSCO, ESMA, ESRB, but it's much more the case. And you see that the capacity to understand each other, to learn from other people is better than before. And I think that uh, there is no question for us to go back to the old world. We need to see that from a positive point of view, of course, the speed is not the same. Let us be clear. And when we speak about the organizational uh, lessons, but many changes will, will remain in place after the pandemic. And I think, frankly speaking, it's an, an opportunity for many emerging countries and of supervisors, I would say, active in emerging countries. You know the famous story, huh? many countries are uh, jumping directly from an universe without phone to a mobile phone. Huh? So the speed is faster in many emerging countries than in traditional jurisdiction. And that's what I expect about the capacity of all members of IOSCO. I see more inclusiveness due to this electronic in a membership organization like IOSCO. That's for me something quite obvious that I would say this inclusiveness will be, uh, will be there in an even faster than expected. Let's move on a bit here. Uh, it can be somewhat a bit related because there are a lot of issues that are related to the pandemic. We're just coming out of it and IOSCO has been quite active during that period, as you said. And it has just released uh, earlier this year a, a work plan for 21-22, trying to address some of the issues that securities regulators are facing more intensely. One of those is uh, all things relating to sustainability. I would like to hear you a, a bit about what are the IOSCO plan on this issue, uh, and most especially on one component of ESG, which is climate issues. Well, allow me, Jean, first of all, to start with one statement, which is quite amazing, maybe for many uh, a few members of the Toronto Centre members. First of all, there is a work program for two years. So it means that we are able not only to communicate among our members, and we, um, I would say we have a very broad membership. We are a real, real global membership organization covering 95% of the supervision of financial markets at worldwide level. But now we are also able to tell that outside what I call, I'm mean, used to call IOSCO ecosystem. So that's important about our accountability, explain what we are doing, also being able to explain why we didn't deliver on time, why, is that justified? And uh, the fact that we are able to communicate about our expectation, it's also uh, interesting also for the financial actors being supervised by uh, the IOSCO members to understand what we are doing and what we expect from them as supervised entity. Sustainable finance is indeed, and you rightly stress, an increasing challenge. This is one of the 
most important challenges. Is it a surprise? No, it's not a surprise. Let us be clear. I would say everybody knows that there is a political momentum. If I start with a continent, I know a little bit, and it means Europe. As you know, there is a consensus at European level, which is not by definition the case where you know that uh, finding compromise and solution between 27 member states is by definition never easy and much more difficult than between four or five member states. But that's the case. And I think, I strongly believe from a personal point of view that if there was no Brexit, that UK was also on board uh, for this ambitious program due to the campaign, um, the statement made by McCartney at the time, the governor of the Central Bank of England, I am convinced that UK was also on the same line. So there is a consensus at open level, not only between member states, but also with the open parliament, with the open commission, with the open council of ministers of finance, so the, the, the so-called and well-known three co-legislators at open level. Europe has a very uh, comprehensive, maybe if I may say, but I think that it's quite difficult for me to tell you that because some people would say, well, it's not objective because it's based in Brussels, the, one of the, the capital of Europe. But I think that many observers, I would say, uh, are used to saying, especially outside Europe, that Europe has the most comprehensive framework about sustainable finance. That's one thing. Second aspect, there is also a political momentum. I think that there is a capacity to liaise with uh, many Asian countries, many countries in the Americas, in the North America, for instance, uh, Canada, but also now in the US with uh, the new Biden administration. That's for the political momentum. The question is to see what would be the best approach. Let us be clear. I think, Jean, that I may say that uh, when we start the first discussion at IOSCO level, it was uh, four years ago, I would say repeating always the same idea. And I think that at this time, my first name was not Jean-Paul, but Jean-Baptiste. I was a bit alone in the desert, let us be clear. I was used to saying, well, I think that who has to be in the first line for that? It must be ISB because ISB have an experience of developing on an international way accounting standards. The successful roadmap start 20 years ago. Of course, we know that IFRS standards are not implemented in all jurisdictions at all levels, but I would say the scope of the activities is very impressive. We know that there are subcarvin, carvod, and that I would say the the quality of the implementation is not the same in all judging. But there is, I would say, uh, an ecosystem applying the IFRS standard. So we need to work with that. They have experience. They have the capacity for outreach. They have the capacity to liaise with other standard setters specialized in sustainable finance at domestic level, at regional level, at worldwide. So we need to require from uh, ISB to take initiative. Frankly speaking, at this time, I am not sure that everybody, even at the level of ISB, was so enthusiastic about the comment made by Jean-Paul Servet. Some of them didn't believe that. But I was repeating always the same stuff. And frankly speaking, no, due to the fact that I have the pleasure and the honor to be the chair 
of the IFRS Monitoring Board, which is performing a kind of oversight, I would say, with many members coming from the supervisory role. I have, I would say, I wouldn't say the day-to-day contact with the trustee supervising the IFRS Foundation, but a very frequent discussion with Erki Erlich, I mean, the former European Commissioner who is now chairing the trustee, and they decide to take initiative. So, first of all, they decide to launch a consultation. So, good example of um, a powerful and successful decision-making process uh, with interesting aspect relating to the quality of the due process. And then they decided very recently to start, I would say, a, a kind of copy and paste of ISB, ESSB, a new board, which will also be supervised by the FRS Foundation in order to develop a sustainable finance standards, but not, I would say, in a kind of ivory tower with a lot of bridges, a work stream with other stakeholders. And that's very important because I would say something which is rather unique in this ambitious challenge and very positive attitude is the fact that when we speak about sustainable finance, we are speaking about a demand-driven program of objective. So the demand comes from investor, not only from the so-called institutional investor, but also from John and Mary in the street, investing their savings most of the time in investment complying with ESG fact. What I can tell you about the situation in Belgium, it's absolutely amazing, impressive to see the shift in two years. Now I can tell you, I would say, more than 50% of the net asset value of uh, mutual funds distributed in Belgium are now compliant with what we call Article 8 and 9 of the Sustainable Finance Regulation at European level. So it means either fully-fledged compliant or not far from it. It was not the case, let us be clear, and two years. So the, the shift, the demand from investor impressive. And what do they need, this investor? They are not interested at all in having uh, 1,000 different frameworks of labels. It's already the case. They need, their demand, I would say, their lobbying even, is to be able to understand how it works, ESG, I would say, with one framework, and if possible, global. And that will be, I think, the challenge, because we know that Europe has been able to develop, uh, has been a pioneer in in this matter. So the objective is to to avoid any kind of competition, for instance, in Europe, between the European agency and the worldwide agenda managed by ISB, IOSCO, and now supported by the FST, because it was also important to state now that at the end of March of this year, the FSB released a statement saying that they fully support the uh, initiative taken by the ISB and endorsed by, I would say, by uh, IOSCO. So you see, I would say, a line between all these initiatives, FSB supporting IOSCO, also supporting ISB. That's something quite unique, I would say, in, in the story of development of supervision. And the objective is to avoid any kind of competition. Let us be clear. We all know that the speed, the scope 
of these activities is not necessarily the same on all jurisdictions, about social rights, about human rights. And I think the objective is to develop what I am used to calling a building block approach. So the objective of ISB, supported by IOSCO, is to be ready with uh, the first uh, prototype, uh, that's the, the name we use, I would say, in, in this agenda, somewhere in, two, uh, in 2022, more or less at the same time, the new technical standards open level. So it means time flies, but, but, but let us be clear, we are, all also, we are also financial supervisor. And so there is also what I call a, a negative part in our agenda is how to prevent and to fight, if necessary, against greenwashing. Because if we are too flexible, and if we would think that we can accept everybody on board, that could become a nightmare because we speak about trust. And if, I would say, investors are no more confident in the capacity of the industry, but also of the supervisor, to check that all these financial products are really in line with ambitious ESG factor, that could be a really a tricky issue because, you know, it's part of our mission statement. It's also to have an added value about trust from our citizens and from the investor in the capacity of the financial system to sell uh, appropriate product and to deliver financial services with a real added value for their client. So if I hear you correctly, there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel about this issue of sustainability within IOSCO and the international members that are looking at this issue. So there's hope. Um, certainly that will amend the criticism that uh, has been put on IOSCO because of lagging on this issue. So hopefully there's a solution ahead. I wish to thank you very much, Jean-Paul, for participating in this podcast. My pleasure. You've been very generous and your comments are certainly helpful to all the members of uh, Toronto Centre. Thank you very much. Thank you.